realizing it was my last kind of adventure before I go on the mission. And I actually read a quote up at the top of the mountain by a man named Rene Dumal. And he says, you cannot stay on the summit forever. You have to come down again. I suspect that Rene Dumal was not referring just to a mountain summit. I can't help but also think of life. You know, we have this connection with our Father in Heaven. We've come down below, and our job is to figure out the memories of what we had higher up, the commitments that we made to our Heavenly Father and to each other. And I'm just so grateful for the gospel, for the guidance and direction it gives us. Uh, Life is not easy. It is challenging. It is disappointing at times, but it is also so beautiful. And when we have the gospel to guide us and lead us, it helps us through those most challenging moments. I'm Sarah Jane Weaver, editor of The Church News. Welcome to The Church News Podcast. We are taking you on a journey of connection as we discuss news and events of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. In early 2022, Davis and Ajaline Smith, founders of the Cotopaxi Gear Company, joined The Church News Podcast to talk about being member missionaries. Now the couple are transferring from member missionaries to mission leaders. Beginning in July 2023, Davis and Ajaline will serve as president and companion in the brazil Recife North Mission. They are back to have a follow-up conversation on missionary work, on consecration, and on seeing the hand of the Lord in their lives. Thank you guys so much for coming back to the Church News Podcast. Thanks, Sarah, for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. It is so nice for you to come. You're in the middle of a lot of changes coming up. Tell us about your mission call. Yeah, so a lot has happened since we were last together, Sarah. It's been a, a really incredible experience. You know, we've always loved missionary work, and we love the gospel. And so if you were to ask us on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are we? It's a 10. We are so, <laughs> so excited. And at the same time, if we're being honest, like we're really nervous, and we're a little bit scared, and a little overwhelmed with just the preparation that goes into leaving your life behind for three years. But we know the Lord will, will help us and guide us. And uh, if you don't mind, we'll maybe talk a little bit about like the process yeah. a little bit. So in the fall, we got a phone call from a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles asking if Ajeline and I could meet with him. And a few hours later, we were in his office. And I mean, we all know as members of the church, this is very rare. Like so, it is, so you had time to put on a suit yes. and drive downtown. <laughs> we had to change all of our plans, some important work meetings, like everything got canceled and we went and had this meeting and it was so special. I mean, we were pinching ourselves. It's just such a unique opportunity to spend some time with an apostle. And about a week later, we got a phone call from a member of the first presidency to have a meeting and we spent an hour with him and we were officially extended a call to serve as mission leaders. We didn't know where we would go. We didn't know if it would be English-speaking or Spanish-speaking or Portuguese-speaking in the United States or somewhere else. And uh, we had about a month and a half to think about it and uh, to stress about it and to worry about like where we might go and how might you know this impact our family. And But in December, we ended up on our anniversary, actually. We got the mission assignment. And you know my mission assignment that I got when I was 19, I read. So I really wanted Ajeline to read this one. And have that experience. And so she read it. And to my surprise, not to her surprise, we were called to Brazil. 
And uh, she was hoping we'd go to Brazil. I was hoping we'd go Spanish-speaking. But uh, at the same time, the moment we read it was like, yes. Like, oh, we we're so excited. So um, that's when all the changes kind of began for our family. You know, I don't know if Ageline wants to talk a little bit about what's been changing and what's happening, how we're thinking about this and preparing for it. Oh, yeah. So our lives have completely changed. Our focus has changed. We are listening to podcasts on how to train and teach missionaries we're preparing for our kids to attend an international school. We're getting ready to, you know, pack and move our house, all of our belongings, and we're studying preach my gospel. And just our focus is different. We're focusing on missionaries. We're looking at the flashcards that we've been given of the missionaries in our mission right now. And so we're memorizing their names and seeing their pictures and faces and learning about them. So it's a big change. Well, tell me about the minute you read that call. Did it feel right? Were you surprised? I was so excited. We just had all these guesses, and we even had our neighbors come over the night before, and we had a big, large map on our front porch, (laughs) and the kids and parents put their guesses on the map, and we... I really wanted to go to Brazil. I really did. But I figured Davis is the mission president and he will be the one speaking more. So I'm good with Spanish speaking because that's what he really wants. But as soon as I read and saw Brazil, I was so excited. And the girls, both of our girls lived in Brazil when they were younger and they were so happy and they started crying of happiness. It was really sweet. And our eight-year-old boy had guessed Brazil. So he was so excited <laughs> that he got the guess right. And we had looked into every mission possible. We knew all of the areas that would be open this summer. And so we did a little bit of research and we knew that this was one of the missions that we could get called to. Maybe one funny story when we were meeting with this member of the First Presidency, we were having a conversation, and I had grown up in Spanish-speaking Latin America and served my mission Spanish-speaking, and we had lived in Peru together, Ageline and I had, and we'd also spent some time in Brazil, <laughs> but this member of the First Presidency said, uh, Davis, I can see why you speak uh, Spanish, but why in your paperwork here does it says that your primary or preferred language is Portuguese? I didn't even know what paperwork he's looking at. I didn't, I didn't fill out anything. So uh, I was like, oh, well, that's a mistake. I was like, we, we've got to fix this. It, it should say Spanish is uh, the preferred language. And he said, okay, don't worry. I'll, I'll make that change. And when we left his office, I was so nervous about it. I actually emailed his secretary and said, just to make sure, uh, this should say Spanish, not Portuguese. Well, uh, of course, the Lord knew where we were supposed to go. And um, we're th- so thrilled about Brazil and Portuguese. But there's definitely a little more nervousness that we have because of the language. And the great joy of being in Brazil is that you'll get Spanish-speaking missionaries who are learning Portuguese. You'll get English missionaries that are learning Portuguese. And you'll probably get to speak all three quite a bit. Yeah, we've That's talked true. about this. Yeah, yeah. There, we have quite a few missionaries from Spanish-speaking countries. And so I'm thinking, OK, I'm going to be doing some interviews and blessings and other things in Portuguese, some in Spanish, some in English. So it'll be fun. And not only are you walking away from the things we've talked about here, you know, packing up your home, looking and changing your focus, but you're leaving behind a company that you have been very, very visible in. What is that like? What kind of response have you gotten from colleagues? And is it hard to walk away from something that you've built? Yeah. 
is really hard, actually. There's a little bit of grief and sadness that comes with that. I mean, building Cotopaxi has been just a highlight of my life because of its purpose. And I really felt it was a, a calling for me. Even the way the idea came to me was through prayer. And I felt it was an answer uh, to decades of prayer, looking for a way that I could find a way to help people. And so in a lot of ways, leaving it is painful and sad. And at the same time, I've always felt and even used the word stewardship. Like I feel a stewardship. It's not that I own this business. I'm a steward of this business that is meant to lift people out of poverty and to made, to make a difference in people's lives. And so that made it a lot easier to say yes, because we've always known that I would be a steward of this brand for some time and I was going to do the very best I could with the talents I had. And at some point, it would be time to to hand it to someone else to lead it to the next chapter of growth. And so, you know, when I received the mission call, I knew I would obviously need to talk to my board and to my executive team members. And so a couple of weeks after receiving the call, I decided on a Saturday it was time to call everyone. And I called every one of them individually, 15 different people. And of the 15, only two are members of the church, one of my executive team members and one of our board members. <laughs> and um, I was a little nervous because I wasn't sure how they would – I mean, they all know I'm a member of the church, and they know quite a bit. I mean, I'm very open about my faith, but it was beautiful. I spent the whole day on the phone talking to these people one by one. One of my board members, as I told her why I was choosing to go, um, she told me that she got goosebumps. She's like, Davis, I have to tell you, I got, I got the chills. I got goosebumps as you were telling me why you were choosing to go. Another board member, he told me, Davis, I – as you're telling me about this, I, I'm getting emotional just hearing you talk about why this matters to you. Another executive member told me that he was jealous. He said, I wish I felt so deeply about something, and I wish I had that in my life, something that I felt so deeply that I could leave everything behind. And so it was a beautiful experience for me to be able to share and articulate why this was something I was willing to do and not just willing, wanting to do. And... At the same time, it's a hard thing to leave. And so, you know, that's part of this next few months is kind of preparing to do that separation. And your mission as a young man had such an impact in your life. I saw a social media post where you said, hey, now I get the chance to have that kind of impact on somebody else. Talk about that full circle kind of thing in your life where you, yeah. you have this pivotal experience and then you get to actually provide that for others. Yeah, I love this part of it because uh, my mission in Bolivia, I go back to Bolivia often. I think about Bolivia every single day for 25 years. Every week I'm talking to a convert of mine. It's part of who I am. And Tim and Sherry Parker, my mission leaders, were incredible. And they were young as well. They were, I think, maybe in their late 40s or early 50s when they started. And so, you know, I've had them as a part of my life since. Ageline and I have visited their home and in Washington, uh, right after we got married, and they've now moved to Utah, and we've had mission readings at my home with them, and just the idea that we'll have an opportunity to have missionaries in our lives for the next 40 years is just so amazing and so touching to us, and we hope that we can shape their lives in some way and that they can shape ours. So one of the things, Davis, that I've heard you talk about is this impact in your life during your mission that you knew the Lord was aware of you. And I'm hoping each of you can share that sort of perspective, how you at times in your life have felt seen by 
divinity. So when I think of this call and how the Lord was preparing me for this, what stands out the most to me is my call to be a young woman advisor right now. So a couple years ago, I was asked by Bishop Rick Memmer to consider a call with a young woman, and they were hesitant to call me because they knew Davis was really busy with his state calling and he was gone in the evenings and the bishopric member said, you know, just kind of think about it. But the young woman president feels strongly that this is who she wants for this advisor calling, but think about it. And I accepted the calling and it's been great. And I think that it's preparing me to be with young people, to be with young missionaries. And so I've just grown a lot being with all the youth and hearing their testimonies, hearing their struggles, knowing a little bit about what they're going through. And some of them are serving missions now and preparing to serve missions. So it's been a really beautiful experience, and I'm grateful that I've had that. So one experience that comes to mind for me, a few years ago, we had moved to Utah from Brazil, and we'd lived here a few years, and our two daughters were going to a school about 30 minutes away from where we live, closer to downtown Salt Lake. And I worked in downtown Salt Lake. And our oldest daughter was about to go into high school. Uh, so she was in eighth grade. And we started talking about maybe it would make sense for us to move and to be closer to their school, closer to work. We kind of live far away from those things. And we found a home that we loved and we were really excited about. And we visited it a few times, and we decided we were going to make an offer on this home. And as I was driving back to our home one day uh, around this time in our neighborhood, I had the most overwhelming impression that we should not move, and specifically because we had something we needed to do in that area, in our ward, in our stake. And I didn't know exactly what that meant, but I went home and I told Ajaline about it. And I said, this is why we can't move. And I didn't even know what that meant, but it was it was so strong. And a few months later, I was called into the stake presidency, which, to be totally honest, was a shock to me. It was not something I, I had anticipated at all. But I look at the last five years where I've been able to serve with our dear stake president, Joe Staples, and the other counselor, Alan Matheson, and... It has been one of the greatest gifts of my life, and it has prepared me for this calling. I couldn't possibly be prepared to do this if I hadn't have had the mentorship and guidance from them, two just incredible men. And for me, it's a testimony builder that God has his hand in our lives, even in the smallest things. And for those of our listeners who maybe didn't hear our last podcast, the Smiths live in my stake. And so you staying in the stake and accepting leadership has blessed my family. You know, I sent two girls on missions while you were serving in the capacity as a stake leader. And both of them said the same thing, that at one point you had shared some advice with them about how you only have so many days as a missionary and don't waste any one of them. And Mm -hmm. they both came to places in their mission where they were tired and wanted to give up and then... They remembered the Davis Smith advice that said, (laughs) don't waste this day. It won't come again. You only get so many days as a full-time missionary. So we're so grateful for that. But let's talk about these opportunities that come that maybe don't come again. 
that advice that I shared with your daughters, it was actually advice that I got on the day of my farewell from one of my uncles. And I thought about it my whole mission. It was something that in those moments where I felt so tired, exhausted, where you didn't feel like talking to someone else. I'm more, probably more introverted. I, I mean, I, I love people, but I also, you know, talking to people all day long can be really tiring. But I think of some of the people that I met and that I was able to teach the gospel to and that joined the church and that are active and faithful members of the church today. One of them sold ice creams, and I, I just felt like I needed to go talk to her and bought an ice cream and talked to her about the church. And others were people that I just met by opening my mouth in times where it maybe was uncomfortable or difficult for me to do. And so you have these special moments in life that you can either listen to the Spirit and follow or not. And in our lives, we found over and over and over again, and I think especially on my mission, I learned this principle was when you feel the whispering of the Spirit to tell you to do something, you don't think about it again. You just act. And that leads me into my next question, because as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we make promises in the temple to consecrate all that we have to the Lord. And Ajaline, what does this idea of consecration mean to you, especially now as you're sort of walking away from one life to move into another one? Yeah, so there is a quote by Elder Neil A. Maxwell, and he said, Consecration is yielding up of oneself to God, heart, soul, and mind. I love that, and I completely agree. I think it starts with our hearts having a heart in the right place. And for me, I think my testimony of that has started with keeping the Sabbath day holy. When I think of that commandment and I think of how Jesus Christ, under the direction of our Heavenly Father, created the earth and worked for six days and specifically set aside the seventh day and made it holy and made it a sacred day. And he did that for us so that we can rest, so that we can draw closer to him, so we can worship him on those days. And life gets so busy. We all have so many things going on. And I can't imagine not having that day of rest and that day of worship. And so I've been really grateful for that commandment specifically in my life, because that is what I need. And I think of an example of some wonderful members. So when we were newly married, we did an internship in Grand Cayman in the Caribbean on a small island. And there was just a small branch. There was no church. We met in the courthouse. And we had a wonderful branch president, but the counselor there was called after two months of being a member of the church. And so just a lot of new members there, but they did a great job. There was one young man, one young woman, no primary But obviously, it's a beautiful island in the Caribbean, and so there are a lot of tourists. And every Sunday, we always had tourists come. And the ones that stood out to us were the ones that were in their Sunday best and stayed for the full three hours. Back then, it was three hours. And that was such a great example to us because when you're on vacation, you don't have much time anyway, and there's the beautiful beaches and the sun and but not only just seeing them and what it was was seeing how they contributed to the branch because the branch relied upon those members they would give 
wonderful comments in the lessons. They would bear their testimonies. And this is what the branch needed because there were so few members and they were just learning how the church works. And so that always stood out to us. And that's something that we try to do when we travel. One beautiful kind of wrap up to that story is we were back in the Cayman Islands with our family a few weeks ago during the, the holiday break. And we walked into a chapel. They now have a chapel, which is amazing. And it was full of people. And in the very front, this man who was a brand new member, second counselor, maybe it was first, there was only one counselor in the branch presidency, I think, when we were there as interns. But he is up there with a missionary tag, and he was a counselor in the mission presidency of the Jamaica Kingston Mission. And his two daughters have gone to BYU, have married in the temple to return missionaries. Like their lives are completely changed. And so to see this transformation that comes from consecration and to, you know, fulfilling the commandments that we've been given to being, you know, faithful to our covenants that we make in the temple, like we saw the blessings, you know, 20 years later. And I want to talk to you a little bit more about this because before I ever knew Davis Smith, I knew his mother because she was my daughter's third grade elementary school teacher. And the goodness that came from her, you could tell it influenced all of us in a way that was really, really important at that time in her life. And so, Davis, you're raised by parents who consecrated everything they had. They moved all over working for the church. What kind of example did they set in this regard? Yeah, I was truly born to goodly parents. And uh, my mom goes to the temple every single day. And if she has to miss for any reason, she goes twice the day before. It's like, wow, this is like next level commitment, mom. This is amazing. (laughs) She's a great example. You know, growing up, my family moved to Latin America when I was a child, when I was four. My dad uh, worked for the church. And I'm just so grateful for the parents that I had. Like the experiences that I had as a child shaped me. One specific experience, when I was four, my dad had this little green metal box. And on the top of this box, he wrote B-O-S-S, boss. And it was the Bank of Smith Savings. And um, every week we had a weekly meeting with my dad where he had a, a little book with a ledger that he'd document all of the, our savings. And I was looking at this just a few weeks ago, 40 years later, and it has all these little entries for me, a 13 cent deposit, like all these, you know, I'm saving up my pennies and my nickels. And it wasn't just about saving. It was also about sacrifice. In this ledger, there's also some withdrawals, $5, $15, $25, which for me was a lot of my money, but it was helping someone in our ward pay for his mission in the Dominican Republic. It was helping a young couple that just got married to go travel to the United States to get married in the temple because there was no temple in the countries we lived in. It was using some of my money to buy Christmas gifts for an orphanage. My life was really shaped by my parents and by the great example that they set for me. And Ajaline, I'm sure that you have great parents as well who taught you this lesson of consecration, just like Davis's parents modeled that for him. Yes, definitely. So I remember them. One of the early memories I have of them is going to the temple every month together. And because they were converts, they really relied on the members of the ward to learn more about the gospel and to develop these habits. And so we just had such a wonderful war that had temple night and they always looked forward to going to that. And I remember going to church every single Sunday. We never missed church for anything. I mean, maybe if we were sick, but someone always went. 
And so I just love seeing their commitment to the gospel and to our Savior and the example they gave to us. We prayed daily together every morning. We would have a prayer, and every night we would take turns praying. And so that has shaped who I am today from seeing that. As we think about consecration and giving everything to the Lord and this decision to serve, you're also working with young people who have done the same, who have walked away from their lives for two years. What do you want your future missionaries to know about each of you? You know, one of the things that comes to mind for me as we're going through this uh, mission leadership training has been this idea of having high expectations and high love. And so that's what I'd want them to know is we love them and we also expect great things out of them because the Lord expects great things out of them. So that's what comes to mind for me. I hope that they would know how important it is to grow and have their testimonies strengthened as they serve. I have such a strong testimony of this church and this gospel, and I know it's because of the effort that I put into it. So I hope that they, wherever they are, when they start their missions, that they know it doesn't matter where they are. They can learn more and they can grow. And this is the perfect opportunity for them to strengthen their faith. Well, and I hope that they know, in addition to being spiritual, you're both really, really fun. (laughs) (laughs) I hope we have a lot of fun. Well, and I love that you're going to Hisife. And as we talk about consecration, you can't help but think about the temple and the covenants we make. And before this podcast, uh, Davis was telling us that his father actually helped build the Hasife Temple. Yes. When I was a missionary in Bolivia, my dad was building temples for the church in Latin America. And Hasife is one of the temples that he built. And my dad has shown us a thousand pictures. He's, I th- you think he might be more excited than we are about us going to Hasife. So um, he's so thrilled that we're going to go. And the apartment we're going to live in actually has a window that looks at the temple. And so we can walk to the temple from the apartment we'll be living in. So we're very excited about that. And Ajaline, you're taking your kids with you. Tell us how they're doing with this idea of moving to Brazil. So we were really excited when we got the call and we were nervous to tell the kids But when we told each of our daughters who are teenagers, we told them separately because we were most nervous about them. They were both thrilled. It was such a blessing. They were happy for us and mainly because they remember their experiences living there as young girls. And so they were excited for the boys to have this opportunity. And then it was time to tell our boys. So later that day at night before they went to bed, We just talked about Lehi and we read the story of Lehi and explained how he he sacrificed. He took his family and they left everything behind and they traveled in the wilderness. They didn't know where they were going and it must have been really scary for them. But they knew that this is what the Lord asked them to do. And so Lehi was willing to do that. And so we talked to them about that and read the scripture in First Nephi 3, 7, and will we follow the Lord? Will we do the things that he asked us to do? And would you do that? And they, they said they would. And so we told them, we have this opportunity to leave, leave our home and our school and our church friends and to go somewhere for three years. And we don't know where it will be. We have no idea. But we've committed to doing this. No matter where it will be, we will go. And so 
It was exciting to think about a move, but it was really hard for our eight-year-old, which we were surprised by that. He was sad thinking about leaving his friends, and he's never lived anywhere else but the home that we live in. And he, he cried himself to sleep that night. It was the saddest thing. Yeah, he was sad. But since then, we've been learning about Brazil and Hasifi and the different Portuguese words, and so... It's it's been really special. I saw him on the globe actually earlier this morning looking at Brazil on the globe. So it'll be good. But our oldest will stay here in college. And so I think it will be hard for her. She won't have that home base. She won't be able to come home to us on the weekends and spend time with us. But she has lots of family here. And then our second daughter will be a senior. And we told her When we got the call, we said, it's your choice. You have lots of family members you can stay back with and finish out your senior year here, or you can come with us. And so she really wanted to come with us, and she's excited, and she has not said anything negative. So we feel really lucky about that. Well, that's amazing. For our listeners who don't know, you have one of those great, great families where the Lord's blessings come in his timing, not in yours. So you have two older girls and then two younger boys. A 10-year gap. And it wasn't by design. We we wanted more sooner and we got them as we were given them. Mm -hmm. And so now your boys are much the same age as you were when you started and were learning languages and living abroad. Yeah. Our youngest Bowman is four and that's how old I was. So Actually, I just giggle looking at him and thinking, oh, my gosh, it's going to be such a wonderful experience for him. He's such a cute little guy. And so, yeah, we're excited. He's learning some words. And he, he came up to me the other day and was like, to the bong, which means, how are you doing? It was like, how did he even remember that? So he's super cute. And Ajaline, I'd love to know, have there been specific experiences that prepared you for this exact moment? Yes. So... Well, first of all, when Davis and I were dating and engaged, we talked about maybe we would live abroad. <laughs> so I knew what I was getting myself into. And so immediately he found an internship in Peru. We lived there for a semester. And at the time, married couples for this particular internship through BYU could go to Mexico City, Santiago, Chile, or Lima, Peru. And Davis's parents were called to the Santiago, Chile mission, one of those missions. And that's where we really wanted to go. And we made it very clear to the coordinators. Um, And we thought we would go there. We thought, okay, they're going to send us there. There's, you know, 33% chance that we (laughs) could go. And then we were in the BYU Health Center, I remember, checking the computer that was in the lobby there, like, over and over. When is this going to, our assignment going to be given for this internship? And we read it, and it said Lima, Peru. And I was really nervous. I knew nothing about it. I hadn't served a mission and didn't know what I was getting myself into. So I was really nervous about it. But when we got our call... And knew that in a month and a half or so, we would receive our assignment for our location. I just kept telling myself, it doesn't matter where we get called because I did not want to go to Peru. But it was one of the best experiences of our lives. I know, I know that was where we were supposed to be at that time. And the experiences we had there are what we needed. And they have shaped our lives forever. So that really helped in preparation for receiving our 
our assignment and our location and just living abroad. And then also our time living in Brazil for three years while Davis started a company down there. That experience was wonderful. I met a lot of neat people. And when people ask me how I liked it, I always say the first six months were so hard. I thought I would love it. I was so excited. I thought we would go down and I was going to love it from day one, but it was not easy. It was very different than I had expected. But once I got settled in, I loved it. And by the time we had to leave and it was time for us to do something new, I wasn't ready. I wanted to stay. Well, it sounds like a mission. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, I think it does. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that Brazil experience was, from a business perspective, was very challenging. A lot of of success in some ways and some really painful experiences in other ways. When we left, yeah, there was some sadness of leaving Brazil and also a lot of pain and sadness for other reasons. And, you know, we've always looked back and, you know, that experience was really challenging. And, you know, 10 years later, I look back and think, oh, my gosh, I'm so grateful for every challenge that we had, for that experience that we had, because it's prepared us for everything we've done since. Now, Davis, you have a group of colleagues that you go on adventures with occasionally. And I read a post recently where you um, were reflecting on an experience you had just had in Ecuador, where you actually had the opportunity to stand on the glacier for which your company is named. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, I moved to Ecuador as a kid and lived there into my early teenage years and just have a special place in my heart for Ecuador and have been back quite often over the last few years. And kind of a last hurrah with these friends of mine. Every year we do a trip together and they're just incredible men. And we spend a week together talking about fatherhood and our families and about business and then about our faith. And we lift each other and strengthen each other. And we decided we wanted to go climb some mountains down in Ecuador. And so we went and spent a week climbing a few different mountains. And our last one was Cotopaxi. And it's erupting right now. So there's no way to summit it. But we chose to do it anyways. And it was amazing. We were on the mountain when we hear this huge boom. And we look up and this massive black cloud of ash and smoke starts shooting up out of the volcano. And we kept climbing up to the glacier. And by the end, like we're covered in ash, like we can feel it in our mouths, like in our teeth and it was just a really unique experience, but we're on this beautiful blue glacier. And it was an emotional moment for me to look down, you know, hiking at that altitude, very high altitude. The mountain is almost 20,000 feet at the peak. You know, it's, it's exhausting. And at the same time, I just felt such a connection to this place and realizing it was my last kind of adventure before I go on the mission. And I actually read a quote up at the top of the mountain, one of my favorite poems by a man named Rene Dumal. And he says, you cannot stay on the summit forever. You have to come down again. So why bother in the first place? Just this. What is above knows what is below. And what is below does not know what is above. One climbs, one sees. One descends, one sees no longer. But one has seen. There is an art of conducting oneself in the lower regions by the memory of what one saw higher up. When one can no longer see one can at least still know. And while I think this poem is about a summit, a mountain summit, I suspect that Rene Dumal was not referring just to a mountain summit. Um, I think of my mission. And a mission doesn't last forever. It's a short period of our lives. But there is an art of conducting oneself in the lower regions by the memory of what one saw higher up. And 
I can't help but also think of life. You know, we have this connection with our Father in Heaven. We've come down below, and our job is to figure out, you know, what was higher up, the memories of what we had higher up, the commitments that we made to our Heavenly Father and to each other. And I'm um, just so grateful for the gospel, for the guidance and direction it gives us. Uh, life is not easy. It is challenging. It is disappointing at times, but it is also so beautiful. And when we have the gospel to guide us and lead us, it helps us through those most challenging moments. And I think that brings us kind of full circle with all that we've talked about today. We have a tradition at the Church News Podcast where we always end with the same question and we always give our guests the opportunity to share their testimonies and then tell us what they know now. And so as we close today, I hope each of you can tell us what you know now as you've contemplated full-time missionary service and a full-time commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in preparation for this call, what I know now is Heavenly Father loves the missionaries. He is so pleased with their choice to serve. And I haven't even started yet, but I have felt this overwhelming love from our Father in Heaven of the choice I've made to serve a mission and the love that I already feel for the missionaries that I will be training I already love them from seeing their pictures. I love them, and I know how much Heavenly Father loves them. What I know now is that the Lord has his hand in even the smallest pieces of our lives. We're on a a path of stepping stones, and we take each one one at a time, and each one of those is preparation for something great the Lord has in store for us. I also know that the Lord uses imperfect people. We don't speak Portuguese that well. We're really nervous about it. You know, we're replacing the Nordfelds, who are an amazing couple. You know, they speak Portuguese great. Uh, you know, President Nordfeld, you know, served his missions, Portuguese speaking already. So he knew it coming in. He's a CES teacher. So like, he knows the scriptures so well. I'm not going to know the scriptures as well as him. Like, it can be really intimidating when I think about it. We are not perfect. And we're going to have things that we're not great at. But I know that God has prepared us for this and that he will qualify us for this work and he will use the unique talents that we have even though we're not great at everything he'll use the talents that we have to further his work and while we may not be great at a lot of things we love the gospel we love the lord and we can't wait to love these missionaries you have been listening to the church news podcast I'm your host, Church News Editor Sarah Jane Weaver. I hope you have learned something today about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints by peering with me through the Church News window. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast. And if you enjoyed the messages we shared today, please make sure you share the podcast with others. Thanks to our guests, to my producer, Kellyanne Halverson, and others who make this podcast possible. Join us every week for a new episode. Find us on your favorite podcasting channel or with other news and updates about the church on thechurchnews.com.